Chapter One of the Complete Works of Artemus Ward, Part Four, To California and Return. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Complete Works of Artemus Ward, Part Four, To California and Return. Chapter One On the Steamer. New York, October 13, 1868. The steamer Ariel starts for California at noon. Her decks are crowded with excited passengers who instantly undertake to look after their trunks and things, and what with our smashing against each other and the yells of the porters and the wails over lost baggage and the crash of boxes and the roar of boilers, we are for the time being about as unhappy a lot of maniacs as was ever thrown together i am one of them i am rushing around with a glaring eye in search of a box great jam in which i find a sweet young lady with golden hair clinging to me fondly and saying dear george farewell discovers her mistake and disappears i should like to be george some more confusion so great that i seek refuge in a stateroom which contains a single lady of forty-five summers who says base man leave me i leave her by and by we cool down and become somewhat regulated next day when the gong sounds for breakfast we are fairly out on the sea which runs roughly and the ariel rocks wildly many of the passengers are sick and the young naval officer establishes a reputation as a wit by carrying to one of the invalids a plate of raw salt pork swimming in cheap molasses i am not sick so i roll round the deck in the most cheerful sea-dog manner the next day and the next pass by in a serene manner the waves are smooth now and we can all eat and sleep we might have enjoyed ourselves very well i fancy if the ariel whose capacity was about three hundred and fifty passengers had not on this occasion carried nearly nine hundred a hundred at least of whom were children of an unpleasant age captain semmes captured the ariel once and it is to be deeply regretted that that thrifty buccaneer hadn't made mincemeat of her because she is a miserable tub at best and hasn't much more right to be afloat than a second-hand coffin has i do not know her proprietor mr c vanderbilt but i know of several excellent mill privileges in the state of maine and not one of them is so thoroughly damned as he was all the way from new york to aspinwall i had rather say a pleasant thing than a harsh one but it is due to the large number of respectable ladies and gentlemen who are on board the steamer ariel with me that i state here that the accommodations on that steamer were very vile if i did not so state my conscience would sting me through life and i should have harried dreams like richard the third esq the proprietor apparently thought we were undergoing transportation for life to some lonely island and the very waiters who brought us meals uh, that any warden of any penitentiary would blush to offer convicts seemed to think it was a glaring error our not being in chains 
as a specimen of the liberal manner in which this steamer was managed i will mention that the purser a very pleasant person by the way was made to unite the positions of purser baggage clerk and doctor and i one day had a lurking suspicion that he was among the waiters in the dining-room disguised in a white jacket and slipshod pumps i have spoken my piece about the ariel and i hope mr vanderbilt will reform ere it is too late dr watts says the vilest sinner may return as long as the gas meters work well or words to that effect we were so densely crowded on board the ariel that i cannot conscientiously say we were altogether happy and sea voyages at best are a little stupid on the whole i should prefer a voyage on the erie canal where there isn't any danger and where you can carry picturesque scenery along with you so to speak the isthmus on the ninth day we reach aspinwall in the republic of granada the president of new granada is a central american named mosquero i was told that he derived quite a portion of his income by carrying passengers valises and things from the steamer to the hotels in aspinwall it was an infamous falsehood fancy a lincoln carrying carpet-bags and things and indeed i should rather trust him with them than mosquero because the former gentleman as i think some one has before observed is honest i entrust my bag to a speckled native who confidentially gives me to understand that he is the only strictly honest person in aspinwall the rest he says are niggers which the colored people of the isthmus regard as about as scathing a thing as they can say of one another i examine the new grenadian flag which uh, waves from the chamber window of uh, the refreshment saloon it is of simple design you can make one take half of a cotton shirt that has been worn two months and dip it in molasses of the day and martin brand then let the flies gamble over it for a few days and you have it it is an emblem of sweet liberty at the howard house the man of sin rubbeth the hair of the horse to the bowels of the cat and our girls are waving with lily-white hoofs in the dazzling waltz we have a quadrille in which an english person slips up and jams his massive brow against my stomach he apologizes and i say all right my lord i subsequently ascertained that he superintended the shipping of coals for the british steamers and owned fighting cocks the ball stops suddenly great excitement one of our passengers intoxicated and riotous in the street openly and avowedly desires the entire republic of new granada to come on in case they do come on agrees to make it lively for them is quieted down at last and marched off to prison by a squad of grenadian troops is musical as he passes the hotel and smiling sweetly upon the ladies and children on the balcony expresses a distinct desire to be an angel and with the angels stand after which he leaps nimbly into the air and imitates the war cry of the red man the natives amass wealth by carrying valises etc then squander it for liquor 
my native comes to me as i sit on the veranda of the howard house smoking a cigar and solicits the job of taking my things to the cars next morning he is intoxicated and has been fighting to the palpable detriment of his wearing apparel for he has only a pair of tattered pantaloons and a very small quantity of shirt left we go to bed eight of us are assigned to a small den upstairs with only two lame apologies for beds mosquitoes and even rats annoy us fearfully one bold rat gnaws at the feet of a young englishman in the party uh, this was more than the young Englishman could stand, and rising from his bed he asks us if New Granada wasn't a republic. We said it was. I thought so, he said. Of course, I mean no disrespect to the United States of America in that remark, but I think I prefer a bloated monarchy. He smiled sadly. Then, handing his purse and his mother's photograph to another English person, he whispered softly, if i am eaten up give them to me mother tell her i died like a true briton with no faith whatever in the success of a republican form of government and then he crept back to bed again we start at seven the next morning for panama my native comes bright and early to transport my carpet sack to the railway station his clothes have suffered still more during the night, for he comes to me now dressed only in a small rag and one boot. At last we are off. Adios, Americanos, the natives cry, to which I pleasantly reply, Adios, and long may it be before you have a chance to do us again. The cars are comfortable on the Panama Railway, and the country through which we pass is very beautiful but it will not do to trust it much because it breeds fevers and other unpleasant disorders at all seasons of the year like a girl we most all have known the isthmus is fair but false there are mud huts all along the route and half-naked savages gaze patronizingly upon us from their doorways an elderly lady in spectacles appears to be much scandalized by the scant dress of these people and wants to know why the select men don't put a stop to it from this and a remark she incidentally makes about her son who has invented a washing machine which will wash wring and dry a shirt in ten minutes i infer that she is from the hills of old new england like the hutchinson family the central american is lazy the only exercise he ever takes is to occasionally produce a revolution when his feet begin to swell and there are premonitory symptoms of gout he revolutions a spell and then serenely returns to his cigarette and hammock under the palm trees these central american republics are queer concerns i do not of course precisely know what the last year's calf's idea of immortal glory may be but probably they are about as lucid as those of a central american in regard to a republican form of government and yet i am told they are a kindly people in the main i never met but one of them a costa rican on board the ariel he lay sick with fever and i went to him and took his hot hand gently in mine i shall never forget his look of gratitude and the next day he borrowed five dollars of me shedding tears as he put it in his pocket 
at panama we lose several of our passengers and among them three peruvian ladies who go to lima the city of volcanic eruptions and veiled black-eyed beauties the senoritas who leave us at panama are splendid creatures they learned me spanish and in the soft moonlight we walked on deck and talked of the land of pizarro you know old piz conquered peru and although he was not educated at west point he had still some military talent i feel as though i had lost all my relations including my grandmother and the cooking stove when these gay young senoritas go away they do not go to peru on a peruvian bark but on an english steamer off to acapulco mexico we make acapulco a mexican coast town of some importance in a few days and all go ashore the pretty peasant girls peddle necklaces made of shells and oranges in the streets of acapulco on steamer days they are quite naive about it handing you a necklace they will say me give you present senor and then retire with a low curtsy returning however in a few moments they say quite sweetly you give me present senor of quarter dollar which you at once do unless you have a heart of stone acapulco was shelled by the french a year or so before our arrival there and they effected a landing but the gay and gallant mexicans peppered them so persistently and effectually from the mountains nearby that they concluded to sell out and leave napoleon has no right in mexico mexico may deserve a licking that is possible enough most people do but nobody has any right to lick mexico except the united states we have a right i flatter myself to lick the entire continent including ourselves any time we want to the signal gun is fired at eleven and we go off to the steamer in small boats in our boat is an inebriated united states official who flings his spectacles overboard and sings a flippant and absurd song about his grandmother's spotted calf with his rifle out italy i do after which he crumbles in an incomprehensible manner into the bottom of the boat and howls dismally we reach manzanillo another coast place twenty-four hours after leaving acapulco manzanillo is a little mexican village and looks very wretched indeed sweltering away there on the hot sands but it is a port of some importance nevertheless because a great deal of merchandise finds its way to the interior from there the white and green flag of mexico floats from a red steam tug the navy of mexico by the way consists of two tugs a disabled raft and a basswood life preserver and the captain of the port comes off to us in his small boat climbs up the side of the st louis and folds the healthy form of captain hudson to his breast there is no wharf here and we have to anchor off the town there was a wharf but the enterprising mexican peasantry who subsist by poling merchandise ashore in dugouts indignantly tore it up we take on here some young mexicans from colima who are going to california they are of the better class and one young man who was educated in madrid speaks english rather better than i write it be careful not to admire any article of an educated mexican's dress 
because if you do he will take it right off and give it to you and sometimes this might be awkward i said what a beautiful cravat you wear it is yours he exclaimed quickly unbuckling it and i could not induce him to take it back again i am glad i did not tell his sister who was with him and with whom i was lucky enough to get acquainted what a beautiful white hand she had she might have given it to me on the spot and that as she had soft eyes a queenly form and a half million or so in her own right would have made me feel bad reports reach us here of high-handed robberies by the banditti all along the road to the city of mexico they steal clothes as well as coin a few days since the mail coach entered the city with all the passengers stark naked they must have felt mortified california we reach san francisco one sunday afternoon i am driven to the occidental hotel by a kind-hearted hackman who states that inasmuch as i have come out there to amuse people he will only charge me five dollars i pay it in gold of course because greenbacks are not current on the pacific coast many of the citizens of san francisco remember the sabbath day to keep it jolly and the theatres the circus the minstrels and the music halls are all in full blast tonight. i compromise and go to the chinese theatre thinking perhaps there can be no great harm in listening to worldly sentiments when expressed in a language i don't understand the chinaman at the door takes my ticket with the remark ki hai hai ki shu la and i tell him on the whole i think he's right the chinese play is continued like a ledger story from night to night it commences with the birth of the hero or heroine which interesting event occurs publicly on the stage and then follows him or her down to the grave where it cheerfully ends sometimes a chinese play lasts six months the play i am speaking of had been going on for about two months the heroine had grown up into womanhood and was on the point as i inferred of being married to a young chinaman in spangled pantaloons and a long black tail the bride's father came in with his arms full of tea chests and bestows them with his blessing upon the happy couple as this play is to run four months longer however and as my time is limited i go away at the close of the second act while the orchestra is performing an overture on gongs and one-stringed fiddles the doorkeeper again says ki hai hai ki shula adding this time however chow wow i agree with him in regard to the ki ki and hai ki but tell him i don't feel altogether certain about the chow wow to stockton from san francisco stockton is a beautiful town that has ceased to think of becoming a very large place and has quietly settled down to a state of serene prosperity i have my boots repaired there by an artist who informs me that he studied in the penitentiary and i visit the lunatic asylum where i encounter a vivacious maniac who invites me to ride in a chariot drawn by eight lions and a rhinoceros john phoenix was once stationed at stockton and put his mother aboard the san francisco boat one morning with the sparkling remark dear mother be virtuous and you will be happy forward to sacramento which is the capital of the state 
and a very nice old town. They had a flood here some years ago, during which several blocks of buildings sailed out of town, and had never been heard from since. A Chinaman concluded to leave in a wash-tub, and actually set sail in one of those fragile barks. A drowning man hailed him piteously, thus, "'Throw me a rope, oh, throw me a rope!' To which the Chinaman excitedly cried, "'No have got, how can do?' And went on, on with the howling current, he was never seen more, but a few weeks after his tale was found by some Sabbath school children in the north part of the state. I go to the mountain towns. The sensational mining days are over, but I find the people jolly and hospitable uh, nevertheless. At Nevada I am called upon shortly after my arrival by an athletic scarlet-faced man who politely says his name is Blaze. "'I have a little bill against you, sir,' he observes. "'A bill? For what? For drinks. Drinks. Yes, sir, at my bar. I keep the well-known and highly respected coffee-house down the street.' "'But, my dear sir, there is a mistake. I never drank at your bar in my life.' "'I know it, sir. That isn't the point. The point is this. I pay out money for good liquors, and it is people's own fault if they don't drink them there are the liquors do as you please about drinking them but you must pay for them isn't that fair his enormous body which puck wouldn't put a girdle around for forty dollars shook gleefully while i read the eminently original bill years ago mr blaze was an agent of the california stage company there was a formidable and well-organized opposition to the California Stage Company at that time, and Mr. Blaze rendered them such signal service in his capacity of agent that they were very sorry when he tendered his resignation. "'You are some sixteen hundred dollars behind in your accounts, Mr. Blaze,' said the President. "'But in view of your faithful and efficient services, we shall throw off eight hundred dollars off that amount.' Mr. Blaze seemed touched by this generosity. A tear stood in his eye, and his bosom throbbed audibly. "'You will throw off eight hundred dollars? You will?' he at last cried, seizing the President's hand and pressing it passionately to his lips. "'I will,' returned the President. "'Well, sir,' said Mr. Blaze, "'I'm a gentleman, I am, you bet, and I won't allow no stage company to surpass me in politeness.' I'll throw off the other eight hundred, and we'll call it square. No gratitude, sir, no thanks. It is my duty. I get back to San Francisco in a few weeks, and am to start home overland from here. The distance from Sacramento to Atchison, Kansas, by the overland stage route, is twenty-two hundred miles. But you can happily accomplish a part of the journey by railroad. The Pacific Railroad is completed twelve miles to Folsom leaving only 2,188 miles to go by stage. This breaks the monotony. But as it is midwinter, and as there are well-substantiated reports of the Paiute savages being in one of their sprightly moods when they scalp people, I do not, I may say, that I do not leave the capital of California in a light-hearted and joyous manner. But leaves have their time to fall, and I have my time to leave, which is now. 
We ride all day and all night, and ascend and descend some of the most frightful hills I ever saw. We make Johnson's Pass, which is 6,752 feet high, about two o'clock in the morning, and go down the great Kingsbury grade with locked wheels. The driver, with whom I sit outside, informs me as we slowly roll down this fearful mountain road, which looks down on either side into an appalling ravine, that he has met accidents in his time, and cost the California Stage Company a great deal of money. Because, he says, juries is agin us on principle, and every man who sues us is sure to recover. But it will never be so again, not with me, you bet. How is that? I said. It was frightfully dark. It was snowing withal, and notwithstanding the brakes were kept hard down, the coach slewed wildly, often fairly touching the brink of the black precipice. How is that? I said. Why, you see, he replied, that corpses never sue for damages, but maimed people do. And the next time I have an overturn, I shall go round and cheerfully examine the passengers. Them as is dead I shall let alone, but them as is mutilated I shall finish with the king bolt. Dead folks don't sue. They ain't on it. Thus with anecdote did this driver cheer me up. End of chapter 1